0: are listening to Geographical Thinking, where ideas, stories, and conversations are shared through the lens of geography. I'm your host, Guan Yu. In continuing the spirit of celebrating women and women in GIS for the month of March, we reached out to another outstanding GIS professional and invited her to share her journey. Personally, I think she has the most badass title of all GIS professionals. Debbie Verduga is a senior crime analyst working for Toronto Police Service. What insights will a crime analyst unlock using the science of where? How is GIS used for analyzing crime and preventing more to happen? What are some initiatives resulted from the analysis outcome? I have a thousand questions dashing through my mind while I started to play CSI the background for me. So let's jump right into the conversation. First of all, welcome Debbie for coming to Geographical Thinking.
1: Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure.
0: What's your journey like being a crime analyst and even before that as a GIS professional?
1: Well, I would say that's pretty, um, pretty interesting journey. I, I started off with just taking a course in GIS and I wasn't even sure where that will take me. Um, I struggled because all of the concepts, everything was new to me, but I don't know why. I was just fascinated with um, the application of GIS in in sort of every field that you could possibly um, study. So when I first started my first GIS job, um, I started as a geographic consultant at Stats Canada over 10 years ago. And I was doing more of, you know, census geography, demographic analysis, that sort of thing. Um, and I always wondered, because when you're entry level, um, you always wonder, well, what, what else can I do with this? And and how else can I apply this skill? And I was always very interested in retail um, GIS. So I did a little research and, you know, like a, a lot of companies do a lot of, of GIS analysis to uh, manage their store networks. And so... Um, I managed to uh, have an opportunity to work for the LCBO and do uh, location al- analysis for them. So I learned quite a lot in terms of retail analysis and sales and, and all GIS related so that was pretty interesting. But then I got to a point where like, okay, what else can I do with this GIS skill set because I know that you can apply in all sorts of different fields. Um, and I got the opportunity to, I thought the crime data was the most interesting of all. Um, and I got the opportunity at TPS to start off um, doing a, a GIS as a crime analyst. And, and I've been there ever since because it's, it's, it's such a, I guess, there's so many factors to consider is just you can you can apply all sorts of different things there's so many different types of crimes we also do a lot of traffic analysis so public safety is just fascinating Um, and i know that the, the work um that i've been doing with open data it's really it's now very um public and it's creating a lot of value for people to have access to this information so um, I'm, I've, I've, I've been with TPS for the last five years and I'm still um, learning because there's so much to learn
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and I'm just fascinated by the work that we're doing. I'm just internally take the, tackling a lot of public safety issues. Um, it's, it's been quite a journey, I would
0: say. Mm-hmm. What's what do you find the most valuable skills, non-technical skills, your non gis skills that you picked up um, as you grow in your career?
1: Um, Non-GIS skills, I would say, I would say a little bit of everything because you know, like your your curiosity will. I I like talking to other people and figuring out what is it that makes them successful. Um, And it could be, it could vary. It could be something as being very curious and asking a lot of questions. And then, so you learn from that. Um, You know, a lot of the things that I did when I was doing the open data required um, something that was very out of my comfort zone, uh, which is public speaking presentations and, you know, communicating with people outside of my network because it was required. And so having the ability to do what's uncomfortable was a skill that I had to learn um, in order to do more and just, you know, plunge my skill sets a little bit more because um, that's how I, I, I was able to get to where I am now. And I mean, I tried to continue that, just learning from other people what makes them successful and, and doing things that are way out of my comfort zone. And, you know, I, I think that's that's probably what why I... I was never bored, I I was always looking for the next thing as well. So what else can I do with this this Mm -hmm. skill set that I have or how can I diversify the skills that I have right now?
0: Great, well, be curious. I think that's a really great advice and that's a repeating theme that as we talk to more people that we hear surfing up the, what makes a great GS professional and be curious is definitely high on the list. And by the way, you're a great public speaker. What do you do in an average working day? So uh, a lot of uh, of the work that I do is to
1: support decision making. Um, Mm -hmm. If there's a particular issue having uh, that we're dealing with at the time, uh, we provide the data, we provide our um, expertise in terms of either analytical or spatial perspective of what's happening in the area so that, you know, our members or um, command officers can make decisions and how to tackle those public safety matters.
0: Mm-hmm. So you mentioned the open data portal and that's one of the Uh, key things that you've been working on and uh, are most of the analytical tools that you mentioned live on this open data portal?
1: So the open data portal was it it came out from the modernization of the service so as a way of providing more information for public safety to the public the open data was developed and yes absolutely um, it has been become a, a tool that we help, um, we utilize to deliver information to the public. And it has helped facilitate a lot of the things that we're working on with the community. So um, everything, the same data that we're looking at uh, in terms of you know what's happening in those neighborhoods, um, when we rolled it out, we thought that it was one of the key things to provide was um, a package of tools. So the ability to download the data, the ability to visualize it in in all sorts of different ways, both spatially, but also with some trend analysis as well. And one of the the things that we we worked on really hard was the timeliness of the data because you know once you obviously you can provide the future, you can provide these events Mm -hmm. of what's going to happen. It's it's hard to predict, but at least we can provide um, so that the community is aware of um, what's happening in their area. So uh, that that was essential.
0: And for listeners who haven't explored the open data, uh, I, I guess one thing that I want to clarify is that there isn't just data living on the open data like uh, site. It's a website that I explored before we chat. Um, that you can find maps of all major crimes like homicide and break-ins and uh, theft for all of the neighborhood in Toronto. So I find this really informative. I remember when I first moved to Toronto, I look into some of these applications to just get my bearing on you know different neighborhood and where I'd like to rent an apartment and um, maybe buy a house for the for the long term. Um, so it's uh, the the Porto itself is, isn't only for like heavy data users and researchers and analyzing trends. There is an applicable side for any residents in the city. And I also want to get your uh, thoughts on who are some of the Major users, like for me, I it will be interesting to look once in a while and to see how it changes in in different time that the crime situations. But who will be the heavy daily users for applications um, that you stood up? So I would have to say
1: we did a little bit of research as to where who our users were. Uh, we did have a general idea before we developed the portal of who are main consumers of, of crime data and, and traffic as well. I just want to clarify that there's also crime and traffic data um, because the request came in through uh, the police, right? So we are um, I'm representing analytics and innovation and we're almost the hub for data, um, any data that goes out to the public, from um, for the service, so we kind of had an idea of the type of requests that we get. Um, a lot of media, so media will be um, anything that happens in the city. They will email the analytics and innovation inbox and just request stats so, on crimes and traffic. Uh, you know things that that people of Toronto are experiencing every day. So. We also had a lot of, we used to do a lot of research agreements between institutions or government organizations, um, researchers in general that wanted to conduct uh, research on on different topics, so crime, traffic. So we started to gather all of these different people and um, students use it a lot as well for their Um, analysis and their school work, which is really great to see. And we're out of the public safety data portal and the release of that data, our academic engagement has increased. Um, We do so much academic engagement now because the data is readily available. And um, one of the, I guess, the most important users, I would say, um, are just a common, you know, Toronto, a resident that wants to know what's happening in their area as well. We've we've gotten a lot of those, just like you said, you, you wanna know what's happening in your area and be aware. Um, and uh, what we've seen is an increase in use for neighborhood watch groups. So these are people that will use it on a regular basis. And when we were developing the portal, we knew we had a couple of contacts, and uh, they were very key um, stakeholders. And we actually reached out to them. And I remember being on the phone with them and, and saying, "You know, tell me what what are some of the functionalities? What is some of the data that you need in, in terms of you know, looking at the issues that are happening in their neighborhood?" Because they would literally look at every event. And, and take screenshots of, of the maps and, and bring them over to their uh, town hall meetings and bring some issues to police. And I thought that was a great thing. So we wanted to tailor the public safety data portal to facilitate that so that now, um, you know, neighborhood community um, watch groups could have the tools that they needed to bring these public safety issues forward to the police so um, that was a that was one of the best i think um users because they are utilizing the portal um to just monitor and, and be aware of what's happening in their community
0: yeah that's a very empowering like empowering tool for them to have um timely and accurate access of information of not only what happened and also where it is so that's great you mentioned that um, the initiative the open data initiatives has evolved a lot like from a a small application to taking in more data and to grinding out data more timely Um, what are some of the challenges and and how did how did you or your group overcome it
1: um, uh, access to the data, quality of the data, are always a challenge. Um, the it's 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 hard to find the the good the, that point where you're providing enough information for public aware you know for public and safety awareness, um, but also the protection of private and sensitive information and and so finding that compromise is it was a challenge so it took a, a lot of, of contacting the, the right stakeholders making sure that we were um, respecting all of the data you know pr- everything that protects personal information they I think was was key um, and just letting people know that you know this is a this is a value it's going to be a value for the public um, but we're doing and taking every measure to protect personal and confidential information. So I would say that without having done that, we wouldn't be able to provide the level of granularity um, when it comes to especially spatial location because you can provide Mm -hmm. crime statistics and just roll them out to say a geography, a, a, a geographical boundary. But when it comes to really analyzing and figuring where things happen and if they're associated to other factors within the community, it's important to have that Latin long, like I was saying, <laughs> uh, as a GIS, right? So that was important to me. And, and, and to be able to um, show that what we're doing um, mitigates that risk um, mm-hmm. was really, really a challenge. So we had to do a lot of research, we had to do a lot of t- testing of the data once it was you know, offset from its original location to make sure that Um, It's still of of value, but it protects um, that, you know, sensitivity
0: of the data. Yeah, I I see that once the data is granular enough, then it may be risking the privacy. But when it's diluted or uh, how to say just represented at a large enough geographic boundary, then it's losing the context that any kind of meaningful analysis is hard to draw from. So yeah, that that is quite a challenge, Dow. I I don't know what past looks like, and the, you know, it, <laughs> thank it's, you. <laughs> it's all coming through really great. So um, as we look into the future and the role that GS can play in public safety, how do you, you know, we've come a long way uh, for standing up that open data portal to be able to uh, create these many applications for different stakeholders in the city. How do you envision the role that GS will play in making uh, a more safe or safer environment for us in the future? Um, I think it's
1: it's twofold. Um, when it comes to public safety, you want to deal with the things that are happening. Um, but at the same time, you want to prevent them from happening. Mm-hmm. So and I know that's probably it's it's probably very compli- complex issue to tackle. But I think for the for the time being right now we're living in in these times, where we're more connected than ever. Um, in terms of GIS, I think it plays a, an integral role in that because everyone is connected. Everyone has a mobile phone. So a lot of the work that I envision for the future is putting that very important information in the fingertips of the people that are being affected by some of these issues, mm-hmm. um, such as our community members, and as well as the officers that are trying to assist with these issues. So I um, You know, our systems currently, you would think that we're really, really advanced, but putting the information at your fingertips when you can grab your phone and and know exactly what is happening um, sometimes can be a challenge. So overcoming those challenges, I think, um, is going to be key in in delivering a better public safety uh, service um so I think that's the next step and then I mean I would say preventing it altogether would be ideal but that's that's a bigger issue to deal with but if any if there's anything that we can do right now to deliver timely information especially on in a mobile device that's where I see us going and I mean key Key, key thing there, it's a GIS because it's all location-based. So if I can look at my phone and see what's happening in my area and I could, you know, raise awareness or just be cautious of it, then, um, you know, I've, I've helped um, with
0: public safety. That sounds great. Well, thank you very much, Debbie, for your time today. And thanks for sharing your experience with us. Thank you so much for having me. You just heard from Debbie Verduga, a senior crime analyst from Toronto Police Service. Debbie shared her journey to create and continually grow the public safety data portal and the critical role of GIS in accurate, timely, and transparent communication. If you'd like to explore the open data portal and see what insight you can get out of the crime map applications, you can go to data.torontopolice.on.ca. This podcast is brought to you by Esri Canada, a technology company that empowers people and organizations by the science of wear. Bye for now.